Welcome to Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur, where I drink, discuss, and discover the world of distilled spirits. I'm your host, Matt Burchard. This is episode 20, and I'm drinking Cascadia American Bitter Liqueur. If this is the first episode of Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur that you've listened to, you should expect that I will be well-researched and educational, also entertaining and consistent in my reviews. Personally, I want to drink more, and so I've created this podcast as a way for me to explore the flavors of liquors and liqueurs. I'm keeping a New Year's resolution to myself, which is to do just that, drink more. And so by creating a podcast where I explore the flavors of liquors and liqueurs from around the world, I get to keep a promise to myself and share my knowledge with you, my listeners. I chose Cascadia liqueur because it's an American bitter liqueur and the beautiful label caught my eye at the liquor store. I enjoy Amaro's, this being a bitter, it is basically Amaro. It's also made here in my hometown of Portland, Oregon, so I definitely wanted to try it. For the research on this episode, I was able to speak with the distillery's founder, Tom Berklew, and my thanks to him for taking the time to share his story with me so I can share it with you, my listeners. So... Cascadia liqueur. It is bottled in 750 milliliter bottle. It is 35% alcohol by volume, making it 70 proof. It retails for $35 and it's basically in a wine bottle. I'd call it a green wine bottle. Uh, It's got a beautiful label on it, but we're going to try this. And as with every spirit that I try on Liquor in the Core Connoisseur, I will open it and try it neat in a nosing glass. So that's just at room temperature, no ice, not diluted with water, and we'll give it a try. So as I mentioned, it appears to be in a wine bottle, essentially. So it's got a foil and a little pull tab to pull the foil. So let's see if I can get into it. Oh, I, well, I tore the little piece off. I might have to get a... There we go. Got to get a hold of the plastic piece that rolls around. There we go. Take the cop off. And a little stopper. (laughs) I love the pop of a bottle. And floral right away I get just on the nose before I've even poured it. But got my nose in glass so let's give it a pour. So on the nose on this one, I'm cheating a little bit because I know what's in it. And according to the label, it tells me it's got a strong rose and lavender forward note. And really, when I give it a whiff, that's I pick that up. But there's also an underlying botanical note that's indiscriminate. I don't really quite have the language to describe the other flavors I smell. But there's a bit of spice, and the more you take it in, I get a earthier or deeper note on the nose past the lighter, fresher florals that first get you, especially when I opened the bottle. It was really just like uncorking flowers. In the glass, it's a light amber color. There's a little bit of sediment in it. I noticed in the bottle that I have that there was some sediment in the bottom, and I assume that to be natural and normal, given that it is a craft spirit. So now, moment of truth, let's give it a taste. <coughs> oh, I overdid it. <coughs> ah, hang on, let's try that again. All right, a little, little lighter of a taste. Mm. Well, I can... I can taste that it's bitter, but it's bittersweet. There's definitely sugar in it. I catch the bittering on the sides of my tongue. It is quite floral, a little spicy, 
What else is in there? Let me give it another try. Mm. That's good. It does have a... Um, having trouble putting words to it, but definitely floral and sweet with an underlying something else. And it's more than just the bitterness of it. I've decided it's tarragon. I know there's tarragon in it, and that's the flavor profile that I was having difficulty describing, the earthier tone. So it's a bit of anise or licorice flavor, and that's what I'm catching past the floral notes besides the bitter and the sweetness. It's tarragon. Overall, it's a very pleasant flavor if you like bitter. So, on to the history of Cascadia liqueur. Cascadia is the result of experimentation, and experimentation is at the heart of the distillery that makes this spirit. So, to really tell the tale of Cascadia, I've got to recount the story of New Deal Distillery, which is in my hometown here in Portland, Oregon. And that way, if I talk about the whole distillery, you get the picture of how Cascadia liqueur came to be. New Deal Distillery was founded in 2004 by Tom Burklow and his then co-founder Matthew Van Winkle. But it was three years earlier when Tom first got the idea to get into the spirits business. He recounted to me a story of hanging out with friends and pondering economic recessions and the trend of what he called yuppie vodkas. This being the newer brands of high-end vodkas with higher prices. Tom wondered if he could make his own and why other people simply hadn't made their own vodkas. And that idea kicked around long enough until 2004 when Tom and his roommate basically just founded the distillery in Portland. They just started it. Tom described this time as the wilderness in the craft spirits business. They are a pioneer of craft spirits in Portland, Oregon, and New Deal is one of the oldest distilleries in Oregon as a state, but it's only 16 years old at the time of this recording, so it's still relatively young, but old in the craft spirits world. When they obtained their license, they were America's smallest licensed distillery. And that's because they started out in a rented 10 by 12 commercial room with only a $3,000 still. By 2005, they had their first product in the market, which was a vodka. Tom got the idea to start the distillery based on his love of vodka. He didn't just drink the yuppie vodkas or maybe pontificate upon them, but he actually likes vodka, and he believes that vodka gets a bad rap oftentimes. So New Deal's vodka is made from Oregon-grown wheat, and it's award-winning as well. New Deal leaves some character in the flavor profile, and the idea that vodka has to be totally neutral to be good has gone away. So New Deal vodka is described as a sipping vodka. The recipe for their vodka, along with everything else, Tom and his partner figured out as they went. Tom didn't have a background in distilling and was willing to learn on the job, so to speak. And when they launched, nobody really could grasp the concept of craft distilling. The goal for New Deal was to sell one bottle to one person they didn't know off a liquor store shelf. And New Deal succeeded. A local weekly newspaper, the Willamette Week, which is named for the Willamette River that divides the city of Portland, featured a write-up on New Deal in the early days, and Tom received more than 40 calls from people who wanted him to help them start their own distillery. Tom declined. For the first three years of New Deal's existence, they really wondered where all the other craft distillers were. They were pioneering, but nobody was following in their footsteps until about 2007 when some others started to come along. And after they did, New Deal was instrumental in creating Portland's Distillery Row. This is a collective of distilleries mostly clustered in the southeast Portland industrial area. 
The cooperative competition or coopetition of related businesses helps nurture the craft spirits industry in Portland. And if you're ever in town, it's worth getting the passport, a driver, and making a day of touring and tasting at the member distilleries. So back to experimentation. The first year New Deal had product on sale on store shelves, Tom tells me that they came up with one of their more popular products as a joke. It's the Hot Monkey Vodka, which is New Deal vodka with hot peppers added. A friend of Tom's would pop jalapenos and yell, Holy Monkey! And as a joke, Tom infused a batch with some strong peppers and Hot Monkey was born. My wife happens to really love this spirit due to the fact that she had it on cocktail years ago and really liked it, so we've had several bottles over the years. I've got about half of a bottle left in my liquor cabinet, and it's probably five or six years old at this time, but great thing about distilled spirits, they don't really go bad. Tom, however, told me that they've progressively toned down the spiciness of Hot Monkey. For me, it is way too hot and spicy for my palate. It's just, it tastes like fire. It's not, I mean, the flavor is good, but it's just too spicy. It tastes like burning and you can't really enjoy it. So if you like a spicy Bloody Mary or really want a punch of peppers, the Hot Monkey is great. They've toned it down though. So maybe when I first had it years ago, it was punchier and my body bottle might be a bit aged and vintage and stronger than what you get fresh off the shelves now. The point is, in the early years, Tom and New Deal Distillery in general, they were just having fun. Around the early 2010s, New Deal had moved into a larger building, having left their tiny 10 by 12 rented space behind, and they upgraded their equipment as well. They've got a beautiful copper still that is on their website, and if you can see it in person, it's great. They've also got some smaller stills they use for gin production with some botanical baskets, and then they've got a smaller lab still that they use for kind of experimentation. Around the same time, they were able to buy the building that they moved into, and they upped their R&D efforts, and Cascadia Liqueur came about in 2013. So the spirit is seven years old as of the recording of this episode. The label I mentioned features a blue gentian flower, which grows natively in the Cascade Mountains of Oregon, Washington State. Cascadia is a rather common term for our area. We have the Cascade Mountain Range, and so the Cascadia area is something that's commonly used to describe the area, I suppose. So Cascadia lends its name to the spirit. New Deal tries to source ingredients locally, but Tom admitted to me with a chuckle that the label of Cascadia liqueur is a lie. You can't legally harvest the blue gentian that grows here, and none is commercially available. So what they do use in production is yellow gentian imported from France. One of the goals, though, with New Deal Distillery is to be known as a distiller that makes a lot of good products in a lot of categories. That said, simple is where the volume is, and they started with vodka, not just because it's what first comes out of the still, but because Tom really likes the vodka, so they do that well. And Cascadia isn't a huge seller, but it was definitely in line with what they wanted to create. Tom always wanted to have a bitter liqueur in the spirit of an Italian Amaro or a French Alpine liqueur. This Cascadia liqueur, I think, sits alongside older world Amaro just fine. Tom told me that the fun part is learning the best way to express the botanicals that you want to bottle. He's learned through experimentation. One thing he noted was he tried a basil infusion and that just didn't turn out good at all, at least the way that he approached it. So there was, I guess, equal parts R&D and trial and error, which are really just the same thing. And that led to the creation of Cascadia liqueur. So how do they actually make it? 
Well, the back label of the bottle conveniently gives you a little overview. So I'll just read what's on the back label here. It says, Cascadia liqueur, an American bitter liqueur crafted in the Italian Amari tradition with sophisticated aromatics, a delicate floral body, and a long bittersweet finish. Inspired by flora found in the Cascade Mountain Range, our herbal blend begins as a distilled infusion of rose, lavender, and other botanicals. The bitter flavors of gentian and angelica pair with the sweetness of cane sugar for a beautifully balanced aperitif. Enjoy neat or in a classic cocktail. So you have insight into the basics of the ingredients. Cascadia, of course, features gentian as a bittering agent, but also angelica root. And while craftsmen won't disclose the recipe, Tom admitted that there's some cardamom, rosemary, and tarragon that I noted in the tasting in the spirit as well. When I was discussing ingredients and sourcing, New Deal really tries to keep it local, but it doesn't end up being practical in most instances. That really is because there's not a real agricultural infrastructure in the U.S. for a lot of the ingredients that are used in a product such as Cascadia liqueur. Tom recounted a story to me where he had hired a farmer to grow him roses to use in distillation. At the time, he could only afford 100 rose bushes, which seems like a lot. But after it came time to harvest the flowers, those 100 rose bushes didn't really yield that much flower that could be then used in distillation. Especially when you compare it to what can be bought on the world market commercially, you can get a huge bag of culinary roses from somewhere like Turkey that really has the infrastructure and the affordability ability to produce large volumes of agricultural products for something like distillation. So most of what is distilled is imported. Uh, The botanical notes are either distilled or extracted with heat, cold, water, or alcohol to yield the flavors that they need for the blend. And Tom really talked about having this library of different methods to express the botanical notes that you're aiming for when they were creating Cascadia. After Cascadia is distilled, it's finished with an extra infusion of bitter notes to top it off. There's, of course, some cane sugar in it as well to make it a liqueur being sweetened, and that gives it the bittersweet note. It's not dry, it's sweet. Another notable thing about Cascadia liqueur and New Deal in general is that they're doing all their own distillation on site. Some distillers will buy bulk high-proof neutral grain spirits, then blend and proof products for bottling, which is fine, but New Deal distills all their own alcohol. So Cascadia is a nice addition to New Deal distilleries overall product lineup. It's an American bitter liqueur, which is nice to have because most are from Europe, but this is a true contender with the likes of anything you'd find in Italy. And the question then, what do you do with it? So again, Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur as a podcast is not intended to be a cocktail show, and this really isn't a cocktail liqueur. Like most bitters, it's perfectly served neat. That's how I will enjoy the entire bottle, just straight out of the bottle, room temperature as a digestif or aperitif. However, the back label does feature a cocktail recipe. It's a Negroni Blanc, which features New Deal's dry gin, the Cascadia American Bitter Liqueur, of course, and some other ingredients. I'll post the recipe on the show notes. So in summary, what do I think of Cascadia Liqueur? I've gotten past the tarragon. I'll be honest, 
I'm not a huge licorice fan, and that tarragon note wasn't my favorite, but the floral forwardness, the bitterness, and the sweetness, the bittersweetness, overpowers that tarragon part that I'm not a super fan of, but this is definitely a bottle I'll buy again after I drink it. It After you get past the first couple sips in my take, it's quite good. I really enjoy it. It's, again, I'm just not a huge licorice fan, and it's not a Jägermeister. It's not overpowering. It's not Sambuca, but there's this underlying tarragon note that I get, but the floral, the sweetness, the bittering is beautiful. So Cascadia liqueur, fine addition to your Amaro collection. And my thanks again to New Deal Distillery founder Tom Burklow for giving me the backstory on the distillery, Cascadia liqueur in particular. So that's going to do it for this episode of Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur. As always, I'm your host, Matt Burchard. Please subscribe and share. Tell your friends. Show notes are on liquorandliqueurconnoisseur.com. You can also find the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. The show is also on social media. Facebook and Instagram are what I am active on. Please leave me your feedback. And as always, thank you for listening.